Welcome to It's Always Day One. My name is George Reed, a former Amazonian turned Amazon consultant. Each week on the podcast, you're going to hear industry experts, brand owners, and Amazon employees share their answers to the basic yet fundamental questions you should be asking yourself about your Amazon business. Now, let's jump in. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of It's Always Day One. Today, we've got Cody Whittick. Um, sorry, Cody, if I've got that right or wrong. Cody, do you want to give us a brief background of our very short friendship on Twitter, which is about one day? Um, you cropped up on the influencer space. I knew I needed someone to come chat about it. Do you want to give us a background on yourself, mate? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so before starting Kinship, which is the influencer marketing agency that I started with my business partner, Taylor, um, about two and a half years ago, I worked at a brand on the brand side, building out an influencer program for a brand called Kalo that created sort of the silicone wedding ring market that you might have seen on Amazon or, you know, the buy five for five dollars. But this was kind of the the original storyteller um, sold for much more expensive at twenty five dollars. Um, but I was responsible for building out the influence program there. And so we worked with massive, massive names all the way from, you know, LeBron James all the way down to your mommy blogger and everything in between just because of the wide use case of a wedding ring. There's so many different obviously categories, married people in general. So it gave me a ton of experience. Um, and what I also saw is that influencers were incredible content creators because, and then this was in the Facebook heyday. So we got to see a ton of repurposed user testimonials from big time macro influencers that got repurposed into ads and, you know, we're crushing it with seven ROAS and 11 ROAS and stuff like that. I'm afraid that's not the same today, but um, yeah, we could, we could talk about that all day long, but that's kind of my experience before that. I worked there four or five years and then started Kinship. And so we work with D2C commerce brands mainly um, in that five to 30 million top line revenue per year. But, you know, we also work with the M&Ms of the world um, and some bigger Mm -hmm. brands, maybe native that you've heard of as well. It's a PNG brand, yeah. Um, but usually it falls within that range. And just thinking about one of the big pieces I ram on about quite a lot is that content piece and I'm repurposing it. Um, have you found with Kinship and obviously with your work at Kalo, anything worked particularly well when creating them relationships of influencers to ensure that you've got a fresh flow of that content? Is that like an, an SOP in place that you've rinsed and repeated over and over, or does it not work like that? No, it does work like that. I think just to back up a little bit, you have to build the relationship the right way in order to get you know the desired result that you want. So if your result is that you're trying to drive is monthly UGC or an ambassador program or affiliate network, or, um, you know, working with macros, you have, everybody starts at the same place and that's no influencers have heard of your product. (laughs) So you have to get the product into their hands and let the product speak for itself. And if they truly love the product, that's going to make obviously a much more authentic relationship with the influencer. Right. So you have to start there. Um, and then once you have people, you know, let's say you have 10 people that are like huge brand adopters, love the product, love the brand. Now you have a pool of people that you can do whatever you want with, right? So some people, the gym sharks of the world, they build out a huge affiliate network. Um, you know, the others, they, you know, um, what's the brand that I'm thinking of? Uh, sports drink, Body Armor. You know, they have massive influencers on their website, Mike Trout, 
um, Kobe, rest in peace. You know, they had him, you know, on their website, big time influencers. So the point is, is that you have to build it the right way so that you can get, you know, others rise to the top, so to speak, so that you yeah. have relationships with the right people and that then you can do what you wish. What would the starting kind of point be when um, thinking about this from small, medium and large bands, because you're always going to approach it differently to to connect with those right influences and start pulling the building blocks in place? Is it being aggressive and going straight out, I'm going to give you this for this, or is it more relationship building from day one? Um, well, I would say what how you start is the type of relationship that you're going to have. So if you start transactional, it's very hard to all of a sudden go relationship focused. Mm-hmm. Our approach, and just I think it's the right approach because influencer marketing is a human channel more than email, more than Facebook ads, more than Amazon. It's You're dealing with humans at the end of the day. So this is a relationship focused channel. So you have to start relationship focused. Um, and so therefore starting out off the jump with an aggressive approach of, hey, we like you. Here's my offer. Here's the deliverables. Take or leave it. Sure, like people do that, and sometimes it works. Um, but that's kind of the nature of the, our market. But you end up with, you know, the fake, untrusted market that a lot of people have a perception of influencer marketing today. And so we like to say that build relationships on giving, not asking. And so, therefore, for you, the brand owner listening, it's giving out your product for free to the influencer. And that's what I was kind of hinting at prior: is letting the product speak for itself, not your mon- not your money. Not your mm-hmm. offer, not your deliverables, um, nothing else. But hey, if you like the product, then we can talk further. You know, um, I compare it to dating a lot. It's it's the first date. You know, if you start out transactionally with saying, "Hey, this is our first date. I want to take you out, but you got to buy dinner." Like, you might have a great first date, just like that influencer post might perform well. But the relationship after the fact is going to be very transactional from there, as opposed to you know you know, probably the right way to date is, you know, you pay for dinner, you just provide value as you try to. And of course, like it's a two way street. So they, you know, if they don't like the product, then that's going to be very clear as well. But if they like the product, then there's feedback from there as well. So again, I just paint it back to relationship. And when you think about finding those influences and building those relationships, are you, are you thinking about a particular channel to begin with and saying to yourself, where am I target market hanging out? I'll start there and then build from there. And the kind of follow-up question is, once you've found that channel, how are you then going about finding those people who are going to be suitable for you? Is it a case of random search and find, or is it you're using tools or what? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, first off, the first half of your question, I don't think I'd be loyal to any sort of platform just because maybe your audience is primarily on there. I mean, if, sure, like if you're a Gen Z brand, probably you should be on TikTok, like you should be putting out content. But that that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to find influencers on TikTok specifically. Um, and what I mean by that is because if you have a focus of content first, distribution second, then it's just whatever means that you can get a hold of these influencers the easiest um, becomes the most most viable means to get a hold of them. So, um, you know, the example is like if they're on YouTube and all your audience is on YouTube, but it's incredibly hard to contact these influencers. Well, you're kind of doing yourself a disservice if you can't get a hold of these people, but you can probably mm-hmm. Instagram DM them and it's the same person. They're just on multi-platforms um, because 
it's it, again, it's uh, it's about the human, right? It's it's the human behind the distribution channels, behind their audience, behind their follower count. Um, so if you're trying to get a hold of the human, it doesn't matter. Like just the same way as if I was trying to get a hold of you. Um, mm-hmm. Do I have to go through this podcast, or can I just shoot you an email? Um, so that's one. And then two, how to find influencers? There's actually a ton of free tools out there. Um, Facebook's own Brands Collabs Manager. You can apply as an advertiser. It's free. Um, they pull in Facebook and Instagram uh, influencers. Um, the second one is Instagram, the drop-down arrow. This is not like a quote-unquote influencer discovery tool, but I think it is. Um, that's also free. So if I go to your profile, there is a drop-down arrow. You just click on that, and it Instagram feeds you people that are similar to you, post similar things, have similar hashtags, all based on the algorithm. Um, they're most likely going to have a similar follower count as well. They're going to throw you, you know, a mixed bag as well. But that unlocks hours of discovery. Um, mm. And I would use the free resources, free resources before you start investing like thousands of dollars into a discovery tool. I think it teaches people to identify influencers with their eyes, uh, understand their brand, um, those sorts of things. So those are some of the two free tools. Um, but there's a, a ton of discovery tools out there. Uh, I have my opinions on which ones are better than others, but um, yeah, I'll start there. When it comes down to person sat at home right now thinking, right, I like the idea that Instagram or social strategy based around influencers. What are you saying from day one? Like you found found that YouTube's great for you, but you're going to obviously contact them on Instagram, wherever you can reach them. That makes sense. You found some similar people using the Instagram drop-down arrow. Your approach is then building that relationship. Are you then from day one looking to go, I'm engaging in some of their content, I'm liking it, I'm giving them a bit of kind of a, a leg up? Because, I'm like, for instance, on LinkedIn, one of the strategies I've read about is before you even approach anyone for anything, like engage with them, give right. them something. Right. Are you doing the same? You're going, when an influencer cares about likes, comments, and engagement, if you're a brand that's going, I love what you're doing here, a nice shot, or whatever it happens to be, you're engaging and giving them some sort of value. Is that advisable, or is it, I'm just going to go straight into the DMs and just open up a conversation? Um, I would say, I mean, that doesn't hurt. I, I just don't know how much the influencer is actually noticing you specifically amidst, <laughs> Good point. amidst other comments or likes. Um, it's different, right? When it's B2B and like we're engaging on Twitter with one another, it's not like mm-hmm. I'm dealing with a ton of inbound or anything like that where I'm just getting bogged down. Yeah. Right. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I, I think it, it, it wouldn't hurt. I'd be interested to test it to see how much, you know, that, that does, but the biggest value you're giving them is the free product. Right. Um, and yeah. if that's incredibly, and hopefully they're, you know, if you're reaching out to running influencers, and you have a running shoe, hopefully this running shoe is going to provide them value. They're going to test it out. And if they like it, they're going to reach back out. They're going to have initial interest. If they don't like it, that's okay. Like that, that's the risk you're willing to take. Not everyone's mm-hmm. going to like your product, right? Not, not everyone in the world is going to buy from you in the same way. So um, I would let the product be the biggest value that you're offering then once them. You- once you've got that selection of, say, 10, I mean, is there a magic number would be a follow-up to this. Once you've got that selection of influencers, you're happy with them, you've sent out 
um, your your samples, let's say, and they've come back. How do you then start to think about managing those influences with regards to what they're giving you back in return if they've decided to come on board? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess I go back to the same relationship building network of how do you build that relationship? And they're going to provide you feedback just as much. So like you progress from that first to second to third to fourth date. Um, and what that looks like maybe could be you send them, if you have other product SKUs, you send them additional product. Um, you know, the brand owner sidebar, the brand owners right now that have high cog products are probably thinking like, there's no way I can send multiple. Um, <laughs> but that's kind of a separate topic. The, the principle still remains is build the relationship through providing the product for free. If you can, you know, we're not talking about people that own sauna companies that have a $3,000 cog. Um, we're talking the majority of people that have decent, you know, margins. Um, but what I would say is that just let the product speak for itself. And then what you can do as far as, and there is no magic number to answer kind of that question as far as like the number of influencers that you get to. Um, but then you can start you know, as they've provided feedback, they've reached back out to you and saying, Hey, I really love this product. How can I get more? Hey, like, do you guys have a discount code I can share with my audience? Like all of that is, is data for you to understand. Okay. This person really digs me. Um, they put out fire content. Let's get them on a monthly UGC contract. Like those are some of those things that you can start progressing with. Um, if affiliate networks interesting, like here's my affiliate link, let's get them signed up. All that stuff. Hey folks, it's George here. I'd like you to check out my new site, georges.blog. It's where you can find all of my famous weekly emails, as well as how we can work together. To repeat, that's georges.blog. Now, let's carry on with the episode. Are you waiting to see and leaving it to them to go, here's a free product, if you're interested, get back in touch with me. And then the influencers going, all right, I'm going to post about this this week. And you're like, thumbs up, yeah, post. There's no, there's no pressure on you. If you want to post, post. If you don't want to post, don't. If exactly you want right. a code, thumbs up. If you want to be an affiliate, thumbs up. If you're then approaching me saying, what sort of style content do you like? Is that happening quite a lot? Or are you letting the influencers have free reign and go, you know your audience better than I ever could. You decide yeah. what you are. Well, there's kind of a couple of questions there. The first thing is there, there is, there is follow up. I mean, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat this into the ground, but just like dating, if you're wanting to ask your girl out, like, and she's not getting back to you, if you're super interested, you're going to follow up. Right. <laughs> so like the same thing with influencers, like you're going to follow up, you're going to show them interest. Um, so you send out the product. They haven't maybe post organically again without you even asking, you know, you're not, you're not, your reach out is no strings attached. This is a free gift. We just love you. We love your content. We thought you'd love it. Let us know if you're interested. They send you your address. You get them the product. Then you haven't heard anything for a week or two. You absolutely should follow up. Mm-hmm. Um, if they haven't posted like, hey, how are you liking the product? Like, what's Do you have any feedback for me? Like all that stuff. Um, what I was saying that is the people that just organically love it and like, you know, they're going to throw it up on a story. They're going to like, they're going to be so wowed by the unboxing experience or the product itself that you're going to get some sort of feedback, not guaranteed. Not everyone does that, but the majority of people will, I mean, people think about you and I, we share about things that we love. 
Um, so if I get sent a product, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about it at least. You know, um, I forget your second question. Oh, the type yeah. of content, the type of content. Yeah, I'm I'm really I'm really looking at their video content creation ability um, specifically. So I'm looking at their their YouTube channel. I'm looking at their Instagram story highlights. I want to see. Um, if I'm a brand owner, I want to see that if I sent my product and they showed up on camera, they'd be convincing enough that someone would buy. Again, that's not like I'm not putting that on them yet. But if I want this eventually to lead to something where we have like a monthly UGC contract together, mm-hmm. I'm not going to waste my outreach to someone who probably hasn't posted in three months or like just because just because it's relationship focused doesn't mean that you don't have filters to which that you're interested in certain influencers. Does that make sense? Yeah, you still want the return on investment of some kind, which involves your time. Of course, yeah. You're sending. I mean, you're sending out a free product. Someone that takes away from someone purchasing it potentially. It's mm-hmm. that worth it to you to send this product? So, of course, there's criteria that you're looking for, and number one is content creation ability, um, because. At the end of the day, that's the number one, the, their number one asset. It's not their distribution channel. Mm-hmm. And when you think about taking it a step further to those UGC contracts, I'm sure you get this grim question all the time from people who are starting out with you, but it's what is that price range looking like? What is a fair amount? Is it a percentage? Is it a fixed fee? How do you go about that negotiation? Or is it even negotiation? Is it just, no, these are my fees. I figured them out. Um, I would, I mean, I would, I always kind of, I always advise a flat fee, uh, as far as on the first touch point. Um, I think once you understand how big of a, how big of an influencer this is and how awesome they are in terms of like when you repurpose their content, um, then you can start to really negotiate some things with, um, a percentage of revenue, a percentage of ad spend, like all these different things that you can get creative with. But yeah, I would, I would reach out for a flat fee. Pricing is so all over the map. Like, I mean, yeah, I it's it's hard to give a ballpark. I mean, I've done threads on it on Twitter and talked about it in our influencer course and stuff like that. And I've used Instagram as a as example um, of kind of our starting rates. But it's just it's difficult because because of the market, because influencers set their own rates because of what these brands pay them, which is usually outrageous. Um, <laughs> for one post and they're getting thousands of dollars. So that's why you have the same two influencers, same follower account that could be charging absurdly different rates. Um, you see that quite a lot, do you? Yeah. I mean, I'm not too much in the negotiation parts myself these days, but I'm saying over the course of time, yeah, I saw that all the time. Wow. Um, so. Yeah, no, that kind of, it kind of makes sense um, that they would have different price points um with regards to the the type of um content collection are you are you essentially when you've got those contracts in place are you saying okay we've got a ugc pricing let's say it's a thousand bucks a month for argument's sake right are you going okay for this i'm kind of it would be great if i could get this from you in return like three videos five images a slideshow mm-hmm. this would be great I'm not saying I'm demanding it. I'm saying this is what I would like. Or are you not, are you not putting... Uh, oh, 100% it's a contract at that point. Um, yeah. I want to do anything without a contract. Uh, just just to be clear, once we get to that point and we're like, 
they're interested in me. I'm interested in them. They want to work together officially. They want to get some money. We want to pay them. Like they're hundred percent needs to be a contract every time. Um, as far as like the, like how they create their content, there needs to be a creative brief, but those are meant to be guide rails. Like we're not talking a script where, Hey, say this word for word for word, um, and being, bring these props in and bring this like X, Y, and Z. It, it cannot be that way. Um, but they also, they want to be guided in some way. Um, mm -hmm. I think majority of influencers, I'm sure influencers that are amazing, like they probably don't need too much, but predominantly you're going to give them talking points. You're going to give them example scenes for inspiration and then go from there. And one thing I would always include in the contract is approval on the content itself. So yeah. having rounds of approval, um, with at least at the bare minimum one, we usually do two, um, so that, the brand, I mean, for us as an agency, it's so that the brands are happy, but for you, the brand that you're happy with the content that you're getting submitted and you don't feel like you're just wasting, wasting money for that content. I guess in theory, it's, um, I can't tie it back to your, your data one, unfortunately here, but the, the, the actual influencer at this point wants to do the best possible job for you as a brand. They're not yeah. some sort of scumbag that just goes, thank you very much, cash. I'm going to create some shit and throw it online. All right, no one likes it. Okay, I don't mind. I've already got my cash. They want, they obviously liked you while they're at this point, right? Right, right, right. A hundred percent. Yeah. What you just described, that terrible example, is what happens a lot because they start out transactional and it's the first touch point with one, the product, and two, you. Mm -hmm. um, so if you think about a customer journey from like, everything to attention, desire, to interest, or yeah, intention, interest, desire, action. And then after that, there's like um, adoption, retention, like all those different things that a customer journey, like post-purchase flow. Well, mm -hmm. the thing is with one-off posts is you go from, you know, all the way down to the action. And then you try to skip to like the advocacy, you know, you try to get skip to the someone that wants to post the product and they've never, they've never even interacted with the product before. Um, so it just doesn't work like that normally. Um, and when we're thinking about that, going back to that number a little bit, are you with all size brands thinking it's good to have a, a range of influences in your, um, kind of, in your team, shall we say, because they're going to create content which approaches people in different ways. They're going to all have different mini niches, which you're trying to target as a whole. Is that your thought process rather than going in the opposite end of the spectrum? We'll get one bang influence. So we'll give them all of our influence of cash and then cross our fingers. Yeah. Um, the numbers game, I think you can scale as much as that you can put resources behind it. Um, yeah. so if you're going to have, if you want a hundred influencer network, but you're one person and you're also doing Facebook ads and email and, uh, managing the whole marketing team, it's just not realistic. You're going to, you're going to treat like the best performers, the best, and they're not even going to get a ton of attention. Um, so I think you can only scale to the number that you can put resources behind. Usually that's hiring, um, or hiring an agency to outsource it, that sort mm -hmm. of thing. Um, I think that's the easiest way to think about it. And then when, just in the final piece, we'll, we'll wrap things up. In my head, because I've never played this game before, would be, say you've got 10 influencers. 
you're still trying to do Facebook ads yourself. You're still trying to do operations. You're still trying to create content. And in the world of Amazon, you, you do wear many hats, um, which is good and bad. But you're trying to tackle this influencer challenge now. You've got these 10 people who are creating content. You've done everything right. How are you tracking kind of what they're doing? Are you going, right, I'm creating myself an Excel sheet and I'm going tick, tick, tick based on the contract I've got in place with them 10 each week. And I'm creating it nice and simple. And I've got kind of an SOP there. Every week I go in, I tick my boxes. They've done their job. I'm happy. And maybe I've got a color scale of how happy I am with the content. And I can have a conversation if I'm unhappy with it. Um, if I get continuous weeks of unhappiness, we ditch them for argument's sake. Is that a process or something similar you've seen or you do yourself internally? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, with 10, there's no reason to get like an influencer CRM at that point. Google Sheets mm-hmm. are your best friend. Um, so everything that you just described, I think, would be best practices, honestly. Um, the more intricate that you have them, like, uh, we need a post a week and then he needs to be a story. And then, you know, they need to submit three videos, one image every other week. Like the more like intricate, if it's the harder it is to track. But what you just mm-hmm. described is like, if they just produce three videos, one image a month, it's just basically saying, okay, they have the Dropbox file request. Have they submitted yet? And it's just basically mm-hmm. just following up with them, um, looking at their content, reviewing it. Uh, maybe you have those rounds of approval. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then the final one, I alluded to it then. How often do you see it where a brand just decides it's not working and ditches that influencer? You see it quite often, and how do they do they manage that? Because it's uncomfortable yeah. for anyone to be like, yeah, we don't want you anymore. <laughs> well, then I would make those contracts month to month mm-hmm. where you can, just, you, can just, you can just opt out at any time. Um, but, yeah, I mean... There's always more out there for the brands. So it's not like a huge thing. Uh, the influencer clearly lost interest because they don't want to do it anymore. So you're just yeah. you're holding on to something that really isn't there anymore. Again, it's kind of like a breakup. It's just like, all right, see ya. Like, let's go our separate ways. Um, you know, one party's not interested or one party's not satisfied, then that's kind of how it is. Um, Nicely circled back to the... Yeah, there we uh, go. The whole conversation has been one relationship advice. We may as well have a dating podcast go. there we go. Mate, Cody, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, It's been been a good chat and eye-opening a little bit for me. Um, Thanks a lot for your time, pal. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. No worries, buddy. I'll speak to you soon. All righty. Hey guys, just a quick one. If you are enjoying the podcast and either have some actionable next steps or new ideas, I'd really appreciate if you could, one, subscribe to the show and leave us a review. These are really, really important to us, as you probably know, being in the Amazon world. And two, if you're looking for additional support with your brand, head over to the website, itsalwaysday1.co.uk, where we've got links to other resources. That's all for now, guys. Speak soon.